on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Download the top-rated ball sports app today for the latest odds on weekend GAA action and great money-back offers on every televised championship game. GAA betting with ball sports, bring it on! You're listening to the Throw-in, the GAA championship podcast on Independence.ie. Hello, I'm Michael Verney and on this week's show we're getting down to the nitty gritty of the championship as we near the final stages in hurling and football with two semi-final places up for grabs in the hurling. This weekend, Galway take on Clare while Waterford will be looking to recover from their Munster final humiliation against Wexford. We'll get the views of Owen Kelly on those games. And in the football, can the minnows of Clare and Tipperary keep their season going and cause more surprises as they take on Roscommon and Derry? But first to the hurling, Connor. I suppose the big question for Clare's players and supporters is whether Davy Fitz will be on the sidelines on Sunday after his recent health scare. Yeah, like it's a strange one, you know. Um, we probably don't know the full extent of it, but what we have heard so far, it sounds like he's going to be around uh, at the weekend. You presume that it's not serious enough, or it's, it, it's you know, he's not taking a risk here. You would hope that he's not, because uh, you know, as we all know, Davy isn't exactly the most, uh, he's not exactly the most reserved man in the world when he stands on the sideline. So you just wouldn't want to see him taking the risk. So, uh, like I know we ha- he had a minor procedure in the past, but you know, it's hard to, I suppose, you don't really want to speculate too much about it without knowing exactly what the what the ins and outs of it are. But um, I'm sure if he's going to be there on Sunday, it's not going to be too serious. Or he's not in a in a position to put his own health at risk. Hopefully, you'd imagine too with Davy, it's probably where he's at his best. On match day, you know, getting fellas focused, getting them tuned in, getting them right for the game. So, yeah, from a clear point of view, and just obviously everyone would just like to see him there and hail and hearty. Oh, and on a big championship week like this, how much will this affect the players, or will it affect them at all? Well, I suppose they can use as maybe motivation as well. You know, um, sure, like he has very able guys around him. Yeah, he has surrounded himself with a good backroom team in in Clare. Uh, that's the sign of a, a good manager who is able to bring in top class guys around him. So. Sure, Donald Cusick will take up the slack there, Louis Mulqueen and these, Paul Kinnerk and these guys. And so they'll use it as a motivation, motivational factor, like, but I'm sure he'll, he'll man the line in some capacity on, on Sunday. But, uh, you know, he'll be very passionate. I'm sure if he was uh, in a team talk, there might be a tear or two shed from Davy. And if you see someone that you respect, haven't seen him won all Ireland, manage a team all Ireland, and you see a tear or two in his eye if he's given a, a team talk all bit. It might be as as lively as the previous team talks, but you know the players will really, you can really die fighting their backs from on on Sunday. And I can see it being a, a positive, a positive for Clare on Sunday. But you know, obviously, I think the whole hurling world 
look wants to see Davy on the sideline because the heat type of character is really needed. Like, do you know what I mean? The championship would be very bland uh, if you didn't have a, a heat kind of character involved. Like, do you know what I mean? And uh, he's a passionate man about hurling, and he's very loyal to that clear unit, that clear squad. So, um, you know, I, I'd say you could see Clare coming out all guns blazing and, and fighting on their backs and dying on their backs to, to get a victory on Sunday for Davy Fitz. Owen, having played uh, under Davy in LIT a couple of years, Fitzgibbon, like, what does he offer to the team on a match day? Well, it's not on the match day. Uh, obviously, on the match day, he'd be highly motivated. He tactically, you, you see, over the last couple of seasons, you know, he's very tactic, uh, tactically aware. He knows what he wants from his team. You know, but I think his attention to detail in the weeks uh, leading up to it, like, and in the days leading up to the game, that's where he'll probably be a lot this week. But as I said, he has able guys in around him. Don't know if of this world that can maybe, uh, you know, make up for his, his loss. But, so I think he's attention to detail and he's a big motivator. And that's probably the thing with David Fitz. And as I said already, he's very loyal. So he's 110% behind his players. If you play ball with David, you'll get it back in, in buckets like that loyalty and that trust. And, um, I think that's something that's definitely in that clear squad. And this is a massive game for them this season, right? There's the, the league trophy tucked away, but uh, deep down, um, they would have one eye on the, on the championship. And, you know, if they can get back to Croke Park, there'll be a massive fourth. The wide open spaces would suit their pace and that. So, you know, Clare and Galway on Sunday, they'd say that it's going to be massive. And look, if he can be used as a motivational tool uh, by the squad and, and the rest of the management, I'm sure Davey will. Uh, will We'll let that be used so that they can get the max out of their performance on Sunday. And uh, I, I think Clare probably is going to be something that might get them over the line this weekend. Connor, a huge game for both sides, obviously, with their championship lives on the line. What are you expecting from both sides on Sunday? It's hard. Like Clare, one of these teams that you don't really know what the you don't really know what the game is going to look like until they get out there on the pitch. You know, they do tend to use. Um, you know, like they have a range of you know styles in terms of their, the different players they have on the pitch. Um, you know, in the past was it a couple of years ago against Galway when they when they um, put Pat Donnellan next to Joe Canning and they couldn't get him on the ball at all. But I suppose the only thing about it from a Galway point of view is you know in the first half in that Leinster final, okay, we all know what happened in the second half, but in the first half it, it wasn't you know Joe Canning that was doing the business for them um, you know Conor Whelan looked very very lively uh, like they, they, they have serious firepower without having to rely on Joe and even if you know you would have looked for a better performance out of Joe Canning on the day and even if it's hard to see Galway going all, all the way to an All-Ireland um, without Joe Canning playing well you know at least they're in a situation now where fellas like Porrick Mannion and other people can kind of take up the score and batten because you know they were in a situation two years ago where if you took Joe out of the game, it was hard to see who was going to like not you know get scores. They have always had forwards who could get scores, but fellas who could turn the game for you, the fellow who could get the inspirational score. And I just think they're probably a little bit, they're probably better balanced to do that now, just an attack. Yeah, I think um, the thing about Galway and the first half against Kilkenny, Dublin had done something similar, as in the within touch and distance. So it's hard to know exactly what sort of Kilkenny you were getting at that stage, um, and maybe. Uh, the Joe thing's important. I know David Burke was talking during the week saying that there will be some sort of a kick in him and no score from play. There's probably, you're probably counting one hand the amount of times Joe's done that uh, in Championship Hurling. Um, so I, I'd, I'd expect a big one from Joe. 
Um, but Connor's right, I think there's a lot more there than just him now, which there's wasn't a, always the case. There's a lot of noise around Galway, and this tends to happen when they don't go well. Um, whatever way the county is, and I don't know, but whatever way the county is kind of fractured into different uh, people who believe different things and have different opinions. Like when things don't go well, there tends to be an awful lot of sort of back talk and the recrimination. We saw with Mayo, you know, in the football, when if you do force your manager out and you lose a big game, people will use it against you. They just will, you know. I mean, it isn't the GAA psychology. Uh, it isn't the mentality of people who follow this, these sports that, you know, when a panel get rid of their manager, they're seen as kind of getting uppity about themselves and nothing shy of breezing to an All-Ireland the following year w- will suffice for these sort of people. But, you know, there's that against them. There's what Gerlach Nan said, which, you know, you can write off all you want, but it's what everybody's been talking about for the last few weeks. And, you know, even today, Michael, you were there, Colin Callan was forced to, you know, answer accusations that the team lacks leaders. And, you know, until Galway go all the way, um, you know, these are the things that are going to be said about them. It just depends on how sheltered those players are. It depends on the sort of management job that Michal who does now to keep that sort of talk out of the players' um, psyches. But it's very clear from talking to them in the few kind of interviews that we've done with them since the Kilkenny game that this talk does kind of, you know, it does kind of pierce their bubble and, and you know, however much heed or how much, um, uh, you know, faith they place in it, you know, they certainly hear it. Oh, and just on that, you would have had a fair bit of pressure on your shoulders playing for Tipperary, and you can probably relate to the situation that Joe Canning and maybe a few other marquee players are in at the moment. Are you expecting a big backlash at the weekend? I think I am, yeah. That Colby team is not a bad team now, you know. Uh, we all don't know who's a good man involved with them. Uh, we've seen him up close personally when he was involved with Tipperary. You know, and he would have left Tipperary last year with a bit of experience, and, you know, the players would have had good time for him. But I think um, all the pressure can't be thrown onto Joe Canning here. Uh, he does have good players around on him. And, you know, you wouldn't contest two All-Irelands, 2012 and 2015, you know, if you just uh, were dependent on one man. Like So, you know, I think we all don't know we're probably freshening up a small bit the weekend. Uh, Jason Flynn might come back into the team now. And I thought he was exceptional, exceptional last year. And the one thing maybe probably Joe is not blessed with, but the one thing that he has around him and Galway have, in their armour is there's plenty of pace in that forward line with Cahill Mannion and Jason Flynn and they're big men as well they're guys that can take on defences open up defences and they can score you know they were scoring four and five points at ease last year in, in most championship games so you know if the few guys like that can get her back to that kind of form you know Galway each day they go out have the potential to hit a 220 like and if you hit that in the championship match you're you're more than likely going to win like it their trouble is probably at the back where they probably concede and I think we've seen that last year even in the Allards and we find they concede three goals to Seamus Canlon and that so you know if they can tighten it up at the back I think you know Tipperary have really tightened up their back line this year and you see what an advantage it brings so if Galway can tighten up their back line not concede uh, they have the potential up front to, to hit big scores so you know I think the pressure should be maybe swung the other way not on their forwards but but on their defence like that they, they seem to be conceding and conceding at times in games when uh, other teams then especially well, when Kilkenny close out the game so sure that's something you know, we might have looked at and might work on for the weekend I did missing Johnny Glynn a bit just up front you know Joe does seem to be the man that needs to needs to win that ball and I suppose if you're if he's a puck out target he's, he's probably a very easy target for opposition men to kind of get their way around like Glynn did did do an awful lot of damage in that regard with kind of hitting hard and straight line running and catching puckouts last year. No, he is a loss of fun. Johnny Green is definitely a loss of fun as well, but I just think they need to have a look at their back line. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was just Parik Mannion the last day. Look, 
he won a great ball over Owen Larkin's head in the first half and Galway were really fired up for it but they probably celebrated you know little hooks and blocks a bit too much like that's your job as a defender you're there to win a ball over forwards heads you're there to block them or hook them so just need to get kind of focused at the back and uh, last year in the all final when they were getting a I think they shoved Colin Fenley or Owen Larkin out over the line and they were nearly celebrating that and you know like you need to you need to be cool and calm like you know I think what Joe Smith said about Simon Zebo when he was scoring a try like you know that's your job like the postman doesn't uh, do a celebration after he delivers a letter every day like that's his job like you know, that's Mario how, Balotelli said that <laughs> you know that's how simple Joe Smith broke it down so you know, the back line just needs to get more focused more tuned in and you know, when they do make a good uh, tackle or a block or win a possession or put in a big hit, we focus on the next one. And uh, you know, I think if Galway can get to that mentality from the back, they definitely have the forwards up front that can cause uh, a lot of trouble and a lot of damage for opposing teams. When you, when you look at both teams and you look down at the, the team list, the 15 that might be picked to start, you could look at them and you can make a case for almost anything happening from there. That's the that's the thing about these teams. But we don't know, and, and the same is true of Galway or of Clare, but probably to a lesser extent in Championship. Since 2013, they've done damn all. Being honest, um, so it, it, when you when you look at these guys, you're thinking, yeah, these they could go anywhere from here." But um, neither of them are convincing either, and they haven't been convincing. So it, it, it's entirely up to whoever can get the most out of themselves on the day, and that's a little bit of a lottery, particularly in, in Galway's case. Just speaking of questions to answer on, just looking at the other semi-final then, like there's probably a lot of question marks over Waterford's uh, players and maybe their style of play the last day. How do you see them reacting to that against Wexford on Sunday? Yeah, I thought I, uh, they've reacted to it already. For me, that was on the Wednesday night playing the under-21 game against Clare. You know, when under-21 is a higher competition because you don't have your players together a lot like you. So that could have been the first time, second game maybe they played. Well, it was the first competitive game might have been only their third or fourth time together and Clare got a run on him in the under-21 early in the first half. But Waterford bounced back and I don't think they finished hitting 3.23 and most of their senior players. So I said they were delighted to get that poor performance in the most part out of the system. Um, now, I think Wexford's injuries is eventually going to hit them. You know, they're missing five or six. James Breen is another guy that's thrown in on that injury list with a, a viral meningitis, uh, some sort of injury in the paper during the week. So, you know... For Wexford, you need everybody putting their shoulders to the wheel and they don't have them because of injuries. So I think Watford, Derek McGrath, would have sat down with him. They would have spoke about the Munster final. He would have been happy too to see him perform at under-21 a couple of nights later, beating Clare off the park for finish. So I think he'll be happy that um, you know they get back to Central Stadium where they like to play. And uh, I think they'll do enough to win on Sunday. And uh, no, I, I think they'll get over the line. But I'm expecting a right game. And it's... It, it, Wexford is a great chance for Wexford but I think too many injuries is eventually going to catch him out Do you see Waterford uh, sticking to the same style of play on you still going to see Tyg de Borca or Dara Fives in that kind of hole behind the half back line I do I'd say they'll set up the exact same um, do you know I said before a good as an county manager when you come in you want your team to be hard to beat and for the for 95 90% of the games that Derek McGrath has managed with Waterford with that system They've been very hard to beat, with obviously the exception of the Munster final. So I think he'll stick to it. Um, you know, he's done well with it previously before. So you know, I think what he wants his team to get back at is get back, not missing the freeze when they get to scoring chances like they did before half time. Shoot them over the bar. Like if you look at the Munster final, had five or six chances from freeze and from play. 
that they squandered and ultimately then it, it knocked their confidence didn't give them the belief and once Tip got the first goal second goal they were just uh, they were on their knees like so I think that's the thing he'll look at to get their scoring chances to take him Paddy O'Mahony get back on the freeze make sure he nails them and uh, you know I, I think they'll they'll turn around and they'll beat uh, Wexford on Sunday I think they're, like the system seems to work against every team in the country bar Kilkenny and Tipperary and he probably you know if they pulled it off to perfection um, would work against those teams as well it would certainly close the gap that's opened up over the last few years but it'd just be interesting because Tyke de Burke was you know you know, rendered an irrelevance really in the last game just by the movement of Tipperary forwards um, and I suppose the big thing and it might be interesting at the weekend because you know Wexford do have the ability to score goals they do have pace in their forward line as well but Waterford are so geared up not to concede goals that when they conceded one and especially after the second one the last day they just didn't look like they know how, knew how to react um, and that's just I suppose what you'd, what you'd be worried about that when the Cogs kind of when they clog up they, they can't really get it going again or they certainly couldn't get it going two weeks ago or three weeks ago It's interesting Tipperary have probably shown everybody the blueprint and even for the likes of Wexford how to beat the system and Wexford do play this kind of long game where they launch ball and usually in around Conor McDonald as well so it'll be very very interesting to see how that game goes at the weekend OK that's the hurling covered and my thanks to Owen Kelly for joining us on the throwing Still to come we'll be hearing from Leon Blanche from Boyle Sports and some value bets for the weekend's games Ball Sports will refund all losing in play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on. And Martin Brenny and Roy Curtis will be going to head to head on the topic of tactics in hurling. But first, Dunica, you want to talk about Clare versus Roscommon. How do you see that going given Roscommon's six day turnaround? Clare are kind of on the move as well with two good wins through the qualifiers. Yeah, Clare are sort of the. They're turning into the Fermanagh of last year. Um, they've been excellent all year, like right through from um, the league to the Division 3 uh, final where they came from behind to beat Kildare and Crow Park. Um, I was down when they played Kerry in Killarney. Um, now, they were never in danger of winning it, but they were really well coached. They made the absolute most out of themselves, conceded a few early goals, which basically um, put pay at any chances they had of, of getting close to, to Kerry that day. But they've regrouped which is always a sign of a good team they're very organised and the other thing is they have some really good individual players um, Gary Brennan is the one everyone will talk about um, Podge Collins um, is another one of course and Podge is very interesting this weekend in that he's obviously he's double jobbing again uh, but this time it's the footballers up, front, up, up first So Is that a strange one? Are you surprised that they, he's, they're actually getting first rain on him whether he plays 70 minutes or not it remains to be seen Well I was looking at it before we came down he played 70 minutes for Limerick uh, against Limerick um, in the hurling and then the following day came on and played 20 minutes against uh, against Leash and uh, that was the crucial period of the game where they, where they won it out and Collins apparently was very in- influential in that so if you're Colin Collins and you have any chance of upsetting it you're probably going to need Podge Collins on the pitch for 70 minutes it's, When we spoke to Podge earlier on in the year he sounded like the whole thing was very much planned out like it wasn't as if you know he would have to go to Davy Fitzgerald or he would have to go to his dad and saying I have to play this game or I can't play this game it, it sounded like very much a case of the whole thing was planned out as to what would happen to him if and when a certain result now maybe they didn't plan on um, I don't think they but didn't thought the yeah. footballers would still be here at the no, end of July but they, they probably didn't and they probably thought that Clare uh, you know would at least be in a monster final well, that, I suppose they still would have been playing this weekend. But he sounded like the whole thing was pretty much worked out. But, like, you know, Davey was forced to f- kind of climb down, basically, because he picked football over hurling. 
Um, so, I mean, I, I, they must have foreseen a situation where this was going to come up. Um, but it'd be interesting to see how long he plays for. He is very good. I mean, it didn't actually, you know, when somebody plays football and hurling at inter-county level, people tend to focus on them. But uh, even in football, he's very like he is in hurling. He gets yeah. on the ball so much. Like he, he, like, he really, really does change the kind of dynamic of the clear attack he can, he can play anywhere in the front six as well so if, if you're even your mind is a little bit tired and your legs are a little bit tired which Roscommon might be this week um, he's exact, He's the last fella you want to see coming at you because he moves so quickly he cuts and turns his, his, his turns are, are absolutely brilliant could, there's, there's a sort of footballer now that's really important to, foot, to teams we were talking about it last week the, the Ryan McHughes and the Peter Hart now he, he Collins plays a little bit further forward than that but ultimately if he played football full time you know you could really see him playing that role you know there's so much congestion around the middle now um, for a fella like Ryan McHugh or in this case Podge Collins or Peter Hart if you can actually take the ball from that even if you're running into a corner if you're running 40 yards away into a small bit of space you're opening the whole thing up again and he, like he could potentially be that kind of player I think he was given um, he was given Shane Enright a small bit of a torsion for the 20 odd minutes that they were, he beaten them maybe two or three balls and then he got black carded um, so like he, he plays almost as an orthodox target man which is <laughs> which is strange considering you know the size of the lad he is but like he they do look for him they go very direct to him at times so um yeah he's they'll need him they'll need Gary Brennan going very well a lot of this depends on how vulnerable Ross Common are and you know we've had the six day turnaround thing a million times but um you know can Ross Common turn around in time if they do they should be good enough they should be comfortable but that it's the big unknown it's hard to know like Ross Common kind of peaked in March you know and and you know, it's a it's a harsh thing to say for a team that stayed in Division One. That was probably their that was probably their um their biggest ambition for the year. You know, if you're in Division One, you can build from that. If you're not there, you need to get there. But like if you look at their stream of results, started the league really, really well and ever since that it's just been getting and I I know they got to the you know, the beat Sligo, they came back from a big deficit, but you know, they were hammered at the weekend. I think it was the Mayo game in the high, in Hyde Park that was billed as a big game for them and they were blown out of the water and things have kind of just trailed off since and I don't know, yeah, you'd be worried about them, especially six days. I think it's only one team has won in the qualifiers. I think it's two. You've two. called that they didn't beat Sligo a few years before that. I think people don't uh, don't qual- that was the first year of the qualifiers in two thousand and one. Um I, I don't know, it's a hard like you would certainly take the team, you know, in, in in a case where you're trying to compare two teams that don't play each other very often. Um you and they're in around the same level. Like and we talk about it all the time and it is a cliche, but you'd absolutely take the team with momentum. Yeah, the biggest thing is like I don't know. Roscommon was so poor the first day against Galway, and the, you would be thinking that like it couldn't be as bad again. They'll have to find something. They'll have to they'll have to be some natural improvement just from the fact that they're not even playing in Pierce Stadium. And if anything, well, it, no, not if anything, they did they definitely went backwards. Yeah. Um, so if that's sort of an in, they're on the slide and that can't be halted, we'll find out. And, and Clare again are the worst team in the world you want to see coming because they will. They all know their jobs. They play very much as a team and a unit. They have, and as I said earlier, they have some really, really good individual players who will punish you to get half a chance. It's a similar scenario, I suppose, in the other qualifier. Then uh, Connor looking at Tip. Tip haven't played since the Munster final. Probably disappoint, disappointing performance. Whereas Derry had a disastrous Ulster campaign and they've bounced back yeah, now. They managed to salvage a small bit, like when they were was it six or seven points down at home to Mead I know there was a bit of a wind in that game and they were playing the second half specialists in Mead like, you know, but they did well to turn that round to be fair to them uh, and again you know going into last weekend I don't think there was too many people who fancied 
fancy them to be Cavan. Like Cavan just looked like their stock was a little bit higher. So yeah, like they've they've managed to turn around. Like it was interesting to read Damien Barton during the week become the latest in a long series of managers to give out about um I suppose the nature of comment or the you know the 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 kind of criticism the managers are, are taking now. I think he was kind of half in jest suggesting that if they made the All Ireland quarterfinals by winning this this game, that he was going to resign because it was wise to quit while he was ahead. But you know, obviously managers are feeling this. Like we've had already, we had Mick O'Dowd after that game against Derry. Uh, he was very very strong during the week uh, when he came out. Uh, Damien obviously as Derry manager comes in for a bit more of flack than a lot of other managers given that Joe Bradley comes from there and he goes to every Derry match and he gets his column out of it I think just yeah. <laughs> every time he, he goes got the mask well. didn't he, <laughs> he, he did, did, yeah. uh, TJ Ryan as well uh, he, he was talking about local media in particular I think Liam Dunn was talking about knives in his back earlier on this year but so. surely like when you're in that position and if you're not performing it's only natural that you're yeah, going like to get I, some criticism I always find that particularly local media and like it, I'm sure it can be hard for managers with regard to local media because you know they write about the team all the time they're constantly trying to find out things that you don't want people to know there must be a strange dynamic and a bit of a bit and they're of, in a great position to find it out as well yeah exactly you, you know, know. Then they know people but uh, like i i don't know I, I always find that you know the way people talk about managers in jobs like we are talking and writing about managers a bit like the way you know, managers, professional managers that are involved in soccer teams and rugby teams are but uh, it's no different to the way that people talk you know, when they're talking in the pub or in the GA club or whatever about managers and whether they're going to stay or they're going to go. Uh, like, I, 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 you know, it might be list difficult to listen to, you know, particularly when you're pouring your heart and your soul into it, particularly when you're one of the managers. And, and you know, I don't know which ones are and which ones aren't, but particularly when you're one of the managers that aren't getting paid for doing the job at inter-county level. And, you know, your best efforts aren't good enough, you know, or, aren't, or are seen as not being good enough. I think what got Barton's ire was he saw a line that... Um, in a preview and he didn't name the newspaper where it said that himself it was a preview of the Cavan Derry game and the preview had said that himself and Terry Highland had had a stay of execution because they both won their previous round qualifier games and he just thought that was just a ridiculous turn of phrase to use it's a journalist but trying to make the match maybe more interesting yeah, than it actually cliche. is I'd like to know which journalist it is because it's a very cliched intro to your preview but you know like his point was that Terry Highland has been there you know he did a couple of years with Val Andrews he's there five or six years now as manager himself it's very obvious the the, the progress they've made even if you know they haven't gotten closer to winning an Ulster title and you know to talk about a manager as having a stay of execution but you know I mean that is the way people that side don't. of the draw too just the other thing like there's no point in getting carried away that side of the draw was pretty forgiven comparing to the other one like mm. you know it's like obviously I saw the Derry Mead game and there was a great chance there for somebody to get to an All-Ireland quarter-final out of it and that's what you're going to have you're going to have effectively an unfancied side in, uh, in an All-Ireland in, in all quarter-final so you know, it's uh, those teams that are progressing now are still only beating teams in and around their own level, like Cavan were Division but Two teams. So is Derry. Too, you know? Yeah, cast, absolutely, yeah. you do. But yeah. if you look at the other side of the draw, where you're potentially looking at, you were looking at provincial and genuine provincial contenders, mm. like what you would have thought at the start of the year. So Paul Kerrigan talked about on Saturday about going up to the Bear Pit. There was Pierce Park, and he said that uh, some local pundits within Ker- within Cork had said that. Or tipped Longford a five to one, and he said it was good to shove it down their throat. But like they have been on the easier side of the draw, they haven't really shoved anything down anyone's throat. But it's amazing how they again it's kind of trundled out there the whole time that they don't read the papers. But the first thing when they get a chance to, they will jump on the back of a journalist or I read this or 
we don't uh, we don't read it but we hear it you know it's gas how much motivation to get out of it I think it's more to do with the former players and pundits I, I think that's the ones that Probably really is, get their yeah. goals do they I feel think. betrayed almost yeah when I don't know it, yeah M- make, in fairness to Mick O'Dowd he clarified that that those former players that have become and he said highly so it's, look if you're saying highly paid pundits you know that he's not talking about somebody who's writing a ghosted column and you know they're very highly paid <laughs> the, 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 the local bugle like he's obviously you know a lot of this stuff is being directed at the Sunday game a lot of this stuff is being directed at the most kind of the prominent yeah, voice that's Porrick Duffy said something similar there that he yeah, said some he of the commentary around it is just not uh, uh, I'm not sure what term he used exactly but just suggested it wasn't that fair like you know that it was but I always a bit think like, a, lot of the, the, a lot of the criticism is kind of in the halfpenny place compared to the criticism that people get from their own supporters like, you know if if, if managers truly heard the stuff that's been said about them in the stands, even though people are obviously kind of riled up and, and very emotional in certain situations, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't. Tell. But like twice now, Gerlock Nan, now we've had about a, a three-week news cycle out of Gerlock Nan. First of all, having a go at Kikenny, not having a go at Kikenny, his belief that they were Function. a functional team, and second of all, slagging off Galway, you know, and then giving another go of it when Ali Bannon had his that's was set off. Yeah, that's set off like as a ripple effect, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of Galway lads coming out and giving Gerald lash back, so. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they're more wound up about pundits than they are about journalists. I don't think they really care what journalists think. A lot of the pundits no, are, are saying what a lot of the <laughs> common folk think, you know what I mean? So they're, that's, they're saying what their bar stood, what the bar stood punch of the, uh, Just a touch of the old one line or sort of culture about it as well. Like, Tabloid journalism. No, not even not that. that. It's game. just like coming up with a line to describe. Rather than just saying what you mean, just having something to say and, and say it in terms of something else that makes it, you know, a bit of a quip, which is probably not that constructive or even that interesting, but maybe you get a smirk out of it at the time. like but it's much more damaging and fellas take a lot more personally then. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Yeah, that, I'm sure that's not the last we've heard from managers saying different things about different pundits and commentary, but for the moment, we're moving on. We're going to be talking GA betting in a few moments, but first, Martin Brehney and Roy Curtis go head-to-head on the big GA topics, and this week, they're arguing whether tactics on the chalkboard is having too much of an influence in hurling. Roy Curtis says it has. To a degree, there's no question that it has. Um, the sweeper system obviously is the most obvious way we've seen it. Um, there is spontaneity has has surrendered, I think, to a degree to to coaches' whims. I think the coaches are play, taking centre stage to a degree that's hurtful to the game. Equally, it may it's it's hard to draw an absolute yet because we're at early stages of it. But if you watch the Waterford Clare the, that that league final drawn game. It was a real struggle to watch until extra time. The replay was much improved. But what we're seeking to do is strangle those who are most talented. It's an inevitability, I suppose, but it doesn't make it great to watch. The, the, the problem is, that the, the danger is that we'll, we'll jump to the conclusion that um, the chalkboard and tactics and systems and structures will is, is doing damage to the game and that something maybe that it'll remain so but I don't think it will because every every system changes tactics always change there's something new comes along I mean the, the, the old saying that you know the more sophisticated the mousetrap the more sophisticated the mouse I mean it, it works very much there's always a way for the mouse to find a way around the mousetrap and there will be that will happen again and some counties have gone with it and when a team wins in All-Ireland perhaps when Clare won the All-Ireland in 2013 at that stage people were talking as if there was a new system had been introduced Mind you, that lost to Cork by eight points uh, two months earlier. So we always incline to, to, to maybe just jump to conclusions after that. But I go back to Kilkenny, for instance, and essentially the, the, their structures are pretty old-fashioned in a lot of ways, and they have won a fair lot. So I'm not sure. I wouldn't worry too much. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you, you see GAA now 
and the joy is being sucked out of it. Players have to train 200 times before they play a game. If someone is seen out in a nightclub, even if they're drinking water, they're regarded as cheating the system. There are all these agreements that are signed. I think spontaneity is such an important part of sport. Let people go out and express themselves. I think what a lot of this chalkboard stuff is doing is it's sucking the personality out of the game. It's allowing, it's, it's forbidding people from expressing themselves. It's join the dots hurling. It may be winning. It may be effective. Um, it may be the pragmatic approach. It doesn't mean it's the beautiful approach. And sport has to be about beauty. I go back right though to, to the Kilkenny system over many years and basically it's down to this that at the end of it all you can have all the system structures tactics chalkboards you like but it's my man I'm, I have to win my own ball and if I'm not able to win my own ball I don't get on the Kilkenny team that's just the nature of it and I hold them up as obviously the, the example and in most counties if you cannot win your own ball it doesn't matter what system structures you have you, 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 you won't succeed so I think I also think that the analysis of the game is now leading to, to a lot of this but probably overplaying, overplaying the, the importance of it. We hear a lot, of, a lot of talk about plays and all this sort of stuff. I mean, what's our plays and hurling? I mean, I just don't, I just don't get it. But it's, 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 it sounds sophisticated to be using terms from other sports that really don't apply to hurling. And I, I think the idea of, you know, we, we keep hearing about the middle third and all this sort of thing. I, I don't think there's any problem whatsoever with hurling. Uh, perhaps I think there may be a problem with the way it's refereed and that too much is let away in terms of the physicality of it. But in the, actually, in this general structure and the tactics, I, I think it'll be fine. I'd, I'd agree with a lot of Ma- what Martin is saying, particularly with Kilkenny, and I would hold Kilkenny up as the role models as well. I saw Jackie Turrell saying the only place he'd do any sweeping is in the kitchen, and I, I would be all for that. And I'm a huge fan of Derek McGrath, the Waterford manager, and you see someone like Austin Gleeson go out and do what he does, and it's wonderful to watch. Um, and I would love to see Waterford win in All-Ireland. Um, it's just the trend towards negativity towards stopping players rather than trying to beat them by scoring more, trying to beat them by having them score less is a trend and I think that's a worry for the game. But, I, but will it last? You see, some, someone will come along and win it, win, win it with a different route. I mean, we hear all about talk now about the sweepers and you're, you're right, I mean, all sweepers here and sweepers there. But you mean you can win a hurling game from 120 metres range further what the hurls are using nowadays. I mean, so I'm not sure. I mean, people use this term... Well, why is the, the, the why is the sweeper being the sweeper shouldn't be in the game at all actually because he's, he's, he's you you can win the game from outside so I think there are systems and, and talk of systems being used but I think it's only to, at the tip of the iceberg there's so much more that can be done in hurling I think in terms of of, of winning games and just for everybody slavishly falling or uh, uh, falling into the, into the same trap here I. I I agree, but at the same time, if you look at how Clare lost to Waterford in Munster, it was by being forced to shoot from 100 and 120 yards. And you had some of the, the, the best players playing the game. Tony Kelly um, shot wide after wide. And you're, what you're doing is you're putting a muzzle on the, on the finest players. You're, you're not allowing them to showcase their talent. I understand why a manager does it. It doesn't mean you have to like watching it. But interestingly, interestingly neither, neither Clare, like Clare won the 2013 All-Ireland, but uh, Waterford haven't got to an All-Ireland final since. Clare haven't won a Munster title in, uh, even in 2013 and have had some very bad days in the last n- number of years with systems and no systems. The same with Waterford, as I said, they haven't, they haven't won a Munster title either. So how successful is this system? Kilkenny don't do it. Tipperary don't. Tipperary play a pretty open game still. Uh, Galway do. Uh, Cork do. So it's. I don't think, I think maybe too much has been made of it because of the Clare and the Waterford, uh, the the way they play the game. I, I think the way you, you, you swat out something is you identify it and you decide if you want to tackle it at an early stage. Well, but you're you right. Tackle, yeah, no, you I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. You're right. In, in, in three years, we may well have moved on But how this. would you tackle it? I mean, the, 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 you can't legislate for it, surely. No, you can't legislate for it unless you start introducing having 
how many players you can position in certain situations, which is not. So you can't legislate, but by talking about it, perhaps you you, you make it a, a topic of discussion. It'll sort itself out, I think, but I, I, I think it's pretty quickly, and all it takes is a team to just blow that wide open and off they go a different system. Remember in the football some years ago when uh, Kieran Donahue, everybody putting the big full forward in, six foot, and we're getting fellas in clubs, six foot ten and all this. That didn't last long, did it? It's the same here. Just once this system will be, will, we won't be talking about it in three years' time. So, Conor, Roy thinks tactics are gone too far. What's your own opinion on it? Every team in Ireland uses tactics in the all Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. Just some are more discernible than others. Donegal? Sounds like the worst lock-in of all time. <laughs> Two boys <laughs> going ahead. Yeah. How come they keep I finding never, things I to never argue about every week? <laughs> I'm suspicious Ever. of this. Two boys are absolutely mad for an argument, in fairness. Just moving on to our GA betting segment. It's time to take some money off the bookies, and Leon Blanche from Boyle Sports is here with us. Leon, how did we do last week? Well, I know for a fact that my treble clicked. Um, I was praying that the Dubs wouldn't try and score any more goals those two second half goals I had my I had my heart in my mouth but thankfully I went for the 16 points for Westmead as we know uh, Dublin beat them by 15 I also tipped up Tyrone uh, to beat Donegal uh, which they done comfortably I felt in the second half and I went for Galway in the football in the replay so as some people might say never listen to a bookie but I'll tell you make sure you listen to this one he's very cocksure of himself this week isn't he yeah yeah a bit mouthy as well and Tyrone like, got I think three points in the last four minutes to win it to Leon so relax now we'll see if you're able Always to back it up the Leon best to last lads there's <laughs> no point you know there's no point in staying with them for 66 minutes you've got to stay with them for 70 plus injury time lads just looking at the Hurling Championship this weekend, Leon, the two big games in Turles on Sunday, uh, how do you see those two games going? We'll just start off with the main game first with Clare and Galway. Clare and Galway, look, I think it's going to be um, a tight affair. Obviously, Clare, um, I've had the news this week that Davy Fitz um, obviously has been in the hospital um, and here's hoping he's okay, first of all. But I think it's going to be a tight enough game um, between Clare and Galway. Uh, they've, go, they've both got match winners on their side but um, I have a funny feeling that Clare um, will just about shade this one um, I'm going to give it to Clare I think whatever um, Galway can throw at them they might be able to um, withstand that bit of pressure and for me I think Clare um, could be a little bit of a dark horse still in this All-Ireland Hurling Championship there's only six counties left we do know that Kilkenny and Tipperary are already in uh, the semi-finals and I think Clare for my, for my money anyway, are probably the value bet. Not alone just to beat uh, Galway at the weekend, but maybe just to cause one or two more upsets along the way. So clear for me to defeat Galway. A bold prediction indeed, Claire, possibly for Liam McCarthy. Just looking at the earlier game then, Wexford versus Waterford. What are your thoughts on that? Waterford are fairly red-hot yeah. favourites. Yeah, I mean, look, they are uh, red-hot favourites and I think they will have to kind of regroup after obviously what happened in that demolition um, at the hands of Tipperary where everything just seemed to fall asunder for Waterford. Um, I thought a lot of their players bottled it, uh, didn't stand up when they needed to be. And I'm sure that the management team in Waterford will have had a job on their hands trying to rebuild a little bit of that confidence. Um, but they are facing a Wexford side who again are coming into this All-Ireland quarterfinal with absolutely nothing to lose. Um, whatever they do and whatever they have done now is a bonus even to be in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. So all the pressure is on Waterford, but you would expect that they should be able to see off uh, Wexford. But I would put a word of note in there, even if they beat Wexford, 
Um, I did. I think that will be their last hurrah in this year's championship. I don't see them uh, winning their semi-final, and I certainly don't see them lifting the Lee McCarthy Cup. So for me, I would have to say it will be Waterford uh, to beat Wexford with a little bit in hand. Just looking at the football qualifiers then, Leon, we have obviously Derry against Tipperary and we have Clare against Roscommon. What are your thoughts on those two games? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think obviously Clare against Roscommon. Um, Roscommon, I mean, looking at them, can they get themselves back up for another game um, after losing that replay in like quite convincing style against Galway? I think Galway were fairly easy winners. Um, and this Clare... It's good to see Clare with a decent football team. Um, and I think this one could go either way, really. I mean, Roscommon on the day are a very, very capable side, but they just don't seem to deliver it in that A performance more often than not. And I just think maybe Clare, I mean, I'm going for the underdog here, but maybe Clare can put it up to Roscommon. Um, and I think they will. And I think this will be a very, very tight affair. And at the prices, I'd probably just have to give it to Clare um, and the other one uh, God I am. Um, it's hard to pick a winner here maybe again but I won't be having a bet on this one but I think maybe Derry uh, can can just about uh, overcome their opponents I think whoever really comes through looking at the All-Ireland football draw you'd have to say that this side of the draw is by far the weakest uh, when you look obviously it looks as if We'll wait and see, but maybe we'll get a Tyrone Mayo and maybe a Dublin Donegal quarterfinal lineup. I think whoever comes through uh, these qualifiers, you would have to expect uh, certainly Kerry to win their quarterfinal quite easy, and maybe even whoever faces Galway, you'd probably have to say that Galway should win. So I definitely think this weekend's qualifiers in the football uh, won't be as hard in terms of that quarterfinal side of the draw. Finally, Leon, uh, we're looking to take some more money uh, off you, even though you took some money off yourself last week with your lucky treble. What are your tips for this week? Yeah, well, I'm going to go for Clare uh, to beat Roscommon. Um, as I already said, in the football, they're a 13 to 8 chance uh, to defeat Roscommon. I think Clare to beat Galway in the hurling uh, is a 4 to 5 chance, and Derry to beat Tipperary in the football qualifier is an 8-15 to 15 chance. I'm going to put them all together once again um, and go for a treble. And it works out a little bit under 13-2, to two, but we'll give 13-2 to two for that treble this weekend. I think the only one I'm probably a little bit worried about, I do feel Derry and I do feel Clare uh, can beat Galway in the hurling, but Clare to beat Roscommon, I am going for the underdog there. And we're obviously trying to take a bit of money off you as well ourselves. Dunica, you have our uh, top bet for the week. Yeah, you boys have made a mess of it for long enough. So um, I'm actually two out of the three are the same as uh, same as Leon. That's a coincidence, for... isn't it? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's, it's it's all about getting it right, Michael. So um, I'm going for going for Claire in the Harlan. I think I think that's four to five. I think that's a decent price. Um, I'm going for Derry in football as well. You know, back to Breffney Park to beat Cavan there last time. I think that'll suit them long way to come for Tipperary and Derry seem to have a bit of momentum about them and I'm going against Leon with the last one I'm going for Roscommon minus one I'm giving them one more chance to rediscover their best form on the best form they should win that game and they should win with a bit in hand they haven't shown us that since March but uh, I backed them against Galway last weekend so I'm going to go I'm going to go with them one more time That's a, a 5-1 to one treble a little over 5-1 to one, Leon we'll get 11-2 to two on that will we? Yeah listen you can have 11-2 to two. look um, just as Matonica said I mean I suppose 
if you've backed them against Galway, you want to hope that you can get your few crit back on them this weekend. But I just wonder with this Roscommon side, do they actually have the belief? Um, and are they going to get up for this game? Maybe they will, but look, uh, we we picked two out of three the same. Hopefully both of them uh, will win, and then at least one of us will be collecting money for charity. Great stuff, Leon. Thanks a million, and we'll chat to you again next week. All the best, lads. That's it from the throw-in on independent.ie. My thanks to Owen Kelly, Leon Blanche, Conor McKeown, and Dunica Boyle. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, and we'll be back next Thursday for more from the Championship. Ball Sports will refund all losing in play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on.